0: Welcome to the Manifesting Clarity Podcast, where we work together to help you receive the answers to your big what's next question. Hi, I'm your host, Jen Roth. I'm excited to share how my journey of building a business as a massage therapist and herbalist has led me to my biggest passion, clarity coaching. My deepest desire is to help you create a life you absolutely love. So with each episode, I'll bring you firsthand stories and proven methods from industry leaders who have faced challenging decisions and stepped into their power to unlock a life of their dreams. It's my intention to bring you inspiration and answers so you can navigate your life's next big step. happy wednesday thank you so much for listening for sharing we're diving through this audio and giving you a gigantic hug i have the opportunity of being in the field with one of my sisters Teresa Byrne, today and i thank you so much for your time i thank you for your light and the work that you're doing in the world for continuously following your heart for doing things that you never dreamt. There are so many things that you have accomplished and that you're up to in this world. And being a keynote speaker and winning awards, having written books, speaking on stages all over the world, TED Talks, on and on and on. I'm going to have you introduce yourself. I'm just so excited today to get to connect you with the Manifesting Clarity tribe and community that is a bunch of light workers as well, sisters and brothers out in the world doing similar things. And it's just so important for me that we get to connect with one another, that we get to share our stories. And yours is one that has impacted my life in such a huge way, especially on days when I personally can't get out of my own way. And what are the stories we're telling ourselves Inner bully is a word that comes into my mind all the time. And that was a seed planted by you years ago for myself. And um yeah, so I'm gonna hand it on over and thank you so much for being here. I can't wait for everyone to get to meet you.
1: Oh, Jen, I love you. I actually got all teared up during my own introduction. Um, so one of my favorite things about you is how you see people. A lot of us will judge someone based on like what they've done or what labels they have, but you really truly see light. And you like look into the heart of the essence of who people are. And I think that's something that should be celebrated and honored. So thank you for seeing me.
0: Yes. Thank you. Oh,
1: let's see. What can I tell you about myself? Um, I am a lot of different things to a lot of different people. (laughs) I have always been interested in helping people access their personal power. I think that we came to the planet with this divine amount of light or usness or skills and thrills and talents and abilities. And then on top of all that, we we became different. We started pleasing people or we started thinking this is the way I need to live and I need to do all these things. I remember my first epiphany when I was, I want to say like Thirteen or fourteen, and I was so overly concerned with how I was saying something to someone else, or oh my god, did I say the wrong thing? Did I did I upset them? Did I do something wrong? And then in that moment, I realized I'm so concerned with myself. What if everyone else didn't even hear what I said? But they're really concerned about themselves as well. Like so, walking around with this filter of kind of that same thing. Like, did I do it right? Did I say it wrong? Did I like all of that? I sort of realized people are probably not even paying that much attention to me or what I say or what I do. And in my head, I'd always been trying to, I I went, I want to create positive impact even as a, as a kid. And so in that moment I was like, freedom. Uh, And I started studying self-development and I think I picked up my first self help book when I was 13, realizing that I did not have, I did not have the life that I wanted to have. I felt powerless a lot. I was pretty good at boundaries based on how I grew up. It was important to have boundaries. Um, my father is pretty negative and uh, could be angry and and kind of go off. And so I was decent with boundaries at home, but not always in the rest of my life. And I I knew there was just like an offness in the world to me. And a lot of people will go through life and they're like, oh, no, this is what childhood is. And I was like, this is whack. Some of this is just really whack. And But there wasn't a place to turn. So, and I don't know about you, Jen, but like, if you know that you're not living your best life or in alignment or whatever words we want to use now, there's places to go, right? You know how to like self-correct or pivot or do a bridge plan or whatever. That did not happen when I was younger. And so I really committed myself to offering that for people because I had books, but there were no, I didn't go to a therapist. I didn't know anything about, there There wasn't, there weren't resources. And so Part of my a big part of my heart is God. When people are asking that question, like, "Is this all there is? What else is there? Could my life be different or better? Or do I have to live with these challenges or obstacles?" Um, I want to be there, right? I want to be that guide for people. Because, man, that is wish, what I wish I had had uh, when I was younger.
0: Oh, that's so true. And I love listening to like minded sisters and and people on the planet who are asking similar questions because. I personally have been asking them since I was really little as well. And my mom was huge into self-help and personal growth and positive and like trying to really hard, working really hard to figure out how to do it differently and didn't necessarily have that support system to reinforce it. So it was even more like swimming upstream, right? And like against so much of potential negativity and true negativity around her as well as her her inner dialogue so i was introduced to it fairly early on but i didn't want to have to like i don't know there was an interesting thing of like kind of pushing it away like oh yeah, that but that's maybe not for me until i hit this point where i couldn't stop crying at one chapter and part in part of my life. And I'm like, okay, where's the therapist? Where's the books? What, like, what do I need to do? So I was so grateful that I knew that resources existed, but I wasn't totally sure about actually diving into them. And I'll never forget one of my, the very first therapist. Well, I think maybe second therapist I had gone to opened up Louise Hay's book You can heal your life. And I had blood in my urine from training for a marathon, a couple other things that were happening at that moment in time. And she read the new thought, old thought pattern, new thought pattern to me, probably, I don't know, might have been like 17 or 18, something like that. And I was blown away. Like, oh my gosh, she is describing exactly what I'm thinking on the inside and what I'm feeling on the inside and to have that like-minded feedback, right? But a safe place to share that without judgment or without something being wrong with ourselves was just like this opening, right? This crack in the the shell of, oh my gosh, okay, I can dive in and take a look at what's going on and there isn't something wrong here.
1: Not broken. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea. When I was 17, uh, the first thing I did... So I studied psychology when I was in college. I was 17 in college. And then I started working at a crisis hotline. But what I realized is that being in the crisis hotline, it wasn't just being trained how to deal with other people's crises. We were training how to deal with our own crises. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's magical. Yes. And was the
0: training... So you could hold space for others at that time, or was how did you find that training and or what led you there?
1: Um, My college RA uh, ran the crisis hotline, and she said, I think you'd be great at this. And she said, plus you're in the social work department, you get credits for it. So freshman year, I signed up and went through the training. And then the next year, you work the phones. It's training to work a crisis hotline. Um, and then for the next, I was in college. I was there for six years. For the next five years, I ended up running the crisis hotline. I was a um, training, I was training the social work people, um, giving them credit. So I actually started being a trainer at a really early age. I was in college training all of these, um, people that were getting their degrees in social work, um, how to run a shift at a crisis hotline and how to deal with different crises and pulling in my background from psychology and then all of the social work stuff. So. It's interesting.
0: What a gift! It's so fun because you can see that thread all the way through who you are. I love it. I love, love, love it. All right, so you are there learning about all of these phenomenal techniques. I'm sure that many of us wish we had at that moment in time in life. You're you're working on boundaries. You've got them at home, not so much out in the in the world. A little people pleasing going on. What were your what your, were your next steps in your journey?
1: Uh, well, and, and as you mentioned boundaries, I freaking love boundaries. Boundaries to me are everything. And I teach them upside down and backwards. And I do that for a reason, because even in social work, if you're training as a therapist, there is like a small chapter of a section of a semester on boundaries. Like that's it. And it it's basically how to say, no, that's your boundary. That's what we were taught as boundaries. Well, um, cue to right after I finished college, I ended up training in martial arts completely randomly, or so I would think, um, but it wasn't. It was no coincidence because it ended up being my career. And when you're training in martial arts and you're partnered in drills, you have to let people know hey, can you ease off on that? Or let's go a little faster. Or, oh, I'm so sorry, I elbowed you in the face, or whatever the. Thing is, it was all about boundaries and respecting the other person's space. And I started putting those sort of two things together, um, growing up as, you know, protecting and and protective and and drawing boundaries and and being good at at saying no or pulling myself away from negativity if it was happening in my family to then learning about boundaries a tiny bit in uh, social work and then putting it all together with watching how martial artists use it in a respectful agreement. And that's when I suddenly realized, Oh my God, boundaries are an agreement. This is a, I'm tr- I'm not going to try to hurt you and here's what I would like. And what would you like? And, um, you know, let's, let's have this agreement going forward because in martial arts, if you continually beat up your partners, you'll run out of partners. People don't want to partner with you. Nobody wants to play with you anymore. So learning to have that discussion and that back and forth and agreements was imperative and then I ended up running a martial arts school, owning and, and running a martial arts school for the for the next 20 years. But boundaries has always been a huge part of that because the same thing that I would teach someone in self-defense, like, hey, Jen, I know you're walking around downtown at night. Um, here's a couple of things for you to be aware of. One of the first things I would teach you is boundaries. To then, hey, I get that you're having a difficult time having this conversation with your employees or your boss or in your relationship guess what here's a couple of boundary ideas so the same stuff that would save people's lives when it comes to self-defense is what kind of saves their mental bacon when it comes to relationships and overwhelm and i started teaching boundaries from the inside out it's not always about that no or stop that or i don't want that it's like what i do want and when you start with boundaries from here it's much easier to set them externally but we were only taught external boundaries, right? It's a no. It's a what I don't want. It's a what doesn't work for me. Well, no boundaries come from here. I want to feel loved and respected and seen. And, and I want, you know, to have energy and I want to flourish and thrive. And these are the things that help me get there.
0: For everything, right. It starts from this well and the spring within us. And we deny that so often of questioning it or leaning into a different chapter, a different place. So you're cruising through owning this martial arts studio and facility school. What, what did your life look like at that moment in time? What was, what was working? What was
1: not not working. working? That's a great question. I was, I had this vision of myself being helpful. And what that ended up looking like to me was always being accessible, always being available, being there when people need anyone needed me. Like we had hundreds of families that were training. It was a pretty large studio, large center. And uh, I would be the person that they would meet with when their kid was disrespecting their teacher or um, you're having a problem with this. We would do sessions. So I, in addition to teaching the martial arts, I was then teaching self-defense, empowerment, and boundaries in workshops outside of that. And then I was setting up self-empowerment and fitness programs in uh, five uh, local um, private schools. So I had this version of myself, and I say that now because I don't have it anymore, as always needing to make a difference, needing to make an impact, and like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. At one point, I calculated how many hours I was working and it was over 80. And that's when I stopped counting because my brain never shut off. And, and it felt like, Jen, it felt like the right thing to do. So I really wanted to make that difference. I wanted to help people. I wanted to serve. But you and I both know you can't serve from an empty well. And I kept thinking, no, 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 like this is feeding my soul. This is feeding my soul. And then um 2014, I ended up getting run into a brick wall. So Anyone listening who's like, yeah, the universal two by four or hit me with a brick wall, you cancel that because I actually did get hit with a brick wall. I realized, oh my God, I've been overworking because that to me was my sense of value. I'd been pushing myself, pushing myself because I was valuable for what I could do with others, for others, for that helper mentality. It was a different way of people pleasing, but it was like definitely a coping mechanism and our
0: ego is so sneaky right like we we get it and we're like all right i've got boundaries all right i'm i'm teaching this okay i've made it to this place and checking these boxes and i know for myself i experienced so many of similarities of what, like how can you just press the gas and go all in do as much as possible be around as many people say yes to as many things as you possibly can. And then you're with yourself at the end of the day. And you're like, what is going on? Right? Yeah. And and one of the things that you shared a minute ago is that you ran into a brick wall, literally. And something that I I we've had weaving through since the beginning of this podcast is the power of our language, the power of our words, the power of our thoughts. And so... When you said, which one of the things that I love and I've learned from you along the way is this ability to like really pay attention and then instead of trying to necessarily replace it with something, acknowledge what I just said and then cancel a clear or create some form of. Shift in the energy of of what we are saying and what we are putting out there in the world. So, for those of us who are saying "I'm working myself into the ground" or "I'm I'm hitting a brick wall" or whatever these sayings are, can you riff on that a little bit and share what that means and what your techniques are for shifting that?
1: Well, and and much like much like you learned, we learn in clarity. There are words have energetic power. Words don't just carry. The meaning that you and I have, they've got energy to them and they've got, I don't know, they're kind of magic. They, I I think they are magic. And when we are creating an idea, a construct or a belief that, oh, this is killing me, my feet are killing me. Oh, my back, I'm, I'm, this is, you're killing me here. I'm dying from this. Our body hears that. Our body listens to exactly what we're saying. Um, and we believe it. So, whatever our, our minds work in, in several different ways. I mean, there's the whole metaphysical aspect, but there's also the, the pictures that we make and the words that we say about ourselves or the world. And when I'm saying, Oh my God, I am so stressed. I'm just like reiterating. I'm re presencing that, that level of stress. And, um, one of my favorite things, and you'd already said, this is interesting. Well, isn't that interesting that this is that, that, that thing is going on. And sometimes I'll even if I've had an experience, that's something I don't prefer, I'll be like, well, that just happened. <laughs> Which is much different than Oh, my God, I cannot believe this is happening. This sucks. So right now I've been um, dealing with resistance. It's not anywhere particular. It's not based on any external one thing, but there's just this resistance. So a lot of times I'm I'm trying something and it's not Working to the the degree that I want it to, or there's not the flow that I really like. But I'm okay with that. There is something to be learned. There is. I did a um, I did a big uh, interview thing, and my tech totally dropped and screwed up, and I had to do a restart. And I'm like laughing, going, "Well, that just happened." You know, like all of these things. I had a keynote. Oh my god, Jen! I had a keynote talk, and I get a text, and the text says. Hey, just let us know when you're at the building. I've got nothing on my phone. I've got nothing in my calendar. They had set this talk up on the inner bully three months ago. And so I get the text and I'm in the middle of teaching kickboxing. And I tell my class, look, I am so sorry. I absolutely screwed up. I got to run. I made it to this conference room to teach these executives in the conference boardroom, 45 of them. I made it and I was like 10 minutes. She's like, I'll just move it to 1115 instead of 11. Uh, Thank God she texted me earlier. And I just raced out there. Hoodie, yoga pants, no makeup, hadn't showered. And I am trying to drop the wisdom bombs on the danger of the inner bully. And luckily, I wasn't experiencing the inner bully. I was just laughing because this has just been my, this has been the the course of the, the last couple of weeks. Just stuff is happening. And I just keep going, well, that happened. Well, that's happening. Isn't that interesting? So I could be beating myself up. You know, I've got this big keynote and I should have been more presentable and all that. But really, in the end, it didn't matter. So I think that's part of it is recognizing not just how we speak to ourselves about things, but how we interpret interpret what's occurring without judgment. Mm-hmm not bad or wrong. It just, that's what's happening. I don't prefer all that. I don't love a lot of resistance, but I always know that for me, resistance shows up when I'm on the edge of a big breakthrough. I don't know. Do you ever feel that way? Like you kind of going through a thing and then, you know, on the other side is something, but you're not sure what it is yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. And
0: I don't know that I have really worked with clients that it doesn't happen for either, right? Like there's just resistance comes in, whether it's teaching us helping us build our uh, resilience, strengthen our muscles, like how many reps and how many practices you have to have, right. When you're getting to do your black belt training and all of the other, you know, like, and resistance is going to be in the fields everywhere that we're doing something we love. And then also I feel like there's, there's a difference though, following your intuition of there's an internal drive and motivation and, Zest to make something happen when we know it's on purpose compared to something else that we bounce off of. I would love to hear more about what happened when you were driving down the highway and it changed your life. Because when people hear this chapter, you will understand that really, truly nothing else matters. Like the fact that you got to show up as your authentic, pure, whole, authentic self for this keynote and to be at that presentation for these 45 individuals. That's all that matters is Teresa showing up in her light. It, it has nothing to do with how we're dressed, what we look like. I remember building my massage practice and being in my mind and going, okay, well, I have to have an LLC and then I need to have uh, an office space and I need to have, like, I've got to have the best table because if I don't have the best table, then that's not going to be the greatest experience for my clients. And then, da. da, 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 da. And as I built my practice, all of the walls start to come down, right? All of these shoulds, need to, beliefs, this -hmm. whole perspective that you're talking about. And my clients were receiving massages with me, putting a a cloth up on the front door at Birds of Bees Teas Warehouse in the very front room just popping my massage table up my portable massage table right people are coming for the experience with us and the essence of who we are which is i love how we opened this podcast because it is and someone yesterday i was on a woman named Jen Liss's podcast and she asks questions to each person of what is magic for you where do you see magic in the world and, and what does that look like and for me it's when our hearts connect and it has nothing else to do with really like any of the other pieces but when we let our guard down we really allow somebody to see us or hear us or we're able to connect with another human being like that to me is similar to words right being magic and when we play in that magic we get to create more and more and more of it and it's so much fun so i know we could talk for days about all of <laughs>
1: things <laughs> i love that i love that that definition of magic is our hearts connecting uh so you'd asked about the me getting run into a brick wall. So it was a lovely July. I was out running errands and all of a sudden from out of nowhere, because that's how all of a sudden from out of nowhere stories start, um, something hit me and I lost control of my vehicle. I hit my head on my win- on my window and then lost control of my car and uh, hit a divider thingy. I don't have words for what it's called. And then ended into a brick wall. Luckily, be- prior to hitting the brick wall, I... I sent out this, please God, don't let me hurt anybody because I was going off in the wrong lane to try. Like I was like out of control. My brakes stopped working, my steering stopped working. And had there been anyone on the sidewalk, had there been anyone anywhere, I was probably gonna run into them and I couldn't stop. And and I'm a big not causing harm person. I don't want to cause harm. So my first thing was please don't let me hurt anybody. And then I think when we're faced with this, I don't know if it's life or death, but maybe it's it's our version of what could be life or death we ask a question uh, and there are a lot of speakers out there brendan bouchard talked about his questions he asked you know did i love did i did i matter did i do stuff um, he doesn't actually say do i do did i do stuff but he's got his version and mine was is this it have i done everything i came here to do and in that moment i realized if the answer was yes you're done i was good i could i could live with that well or or not <laughs> I could be okay with that and not live. Or if the answer was no, you're going to continue. I was okay with that too. But it was like this general piece of I'm going to live or I'm going to die. I didn't know. All I knew I was headed right for this brick wall and which ended up into a great Ted talk. But um, in that moment, I just had to completely surrender. And I am kind of an overachiever. Uh, I, I would say I also have a controlling aspect to myself. And in that moment, not a, not a damn thing I could have done. And it changed things for me. And I was gifted during, I got actually pulled out of my body uh, as my car was hit. I don't remember hitting the brick wall. Um, I was having this little tete-a-tete in what I would call the in-between place. And they were showing me all of the people I'd always I'd helped throughout my career, but I never stopped once to feel the impact of my help. I was always like, I got to help more. And I was on this like human hamster wheel, treadmill. I got to keep helping. I got to keep helping. And whoever was running the show, the movie in my head, they showed me all these people that I've already helped. But because I was not raised or didn't understand that feeling of celebration or well, there's probably a better word for it. Acknowledgement. I mean, how many of us just keep doing a thing and we never stop to realize, oh no, we've, we've achieved what we wanted. I kept saying i need to make an impact and need to be positive and i'm like and and you know the the guides or the angels are like duh you did it when are you gonna stop and realize that you've actually made this big difference but you just keep like i gotta make a difference i gotta make a difference you know it's like running a marathon and you're like i gotta run a marathon i gotta run a you're running a marathon you finished your marathon and you're in your head still going so that was a huge gift i was gifted peace and what and i was told i wasn't done yet so that was that was good i guess because otherwise we wouldn't be having this podcast on this side um i might be channeling in um otherwise and talking to to jenna as the ghost of me um ho- hopefully happy ghost so i came back and it turned out that i had a brain injury a traumatic brain injury um based on usually when someone has a concussion it might be a head hit and then it goes from one side to the other well i had three of those. So I ended up with impact on six parts of my brain, all different parts of my brain. And so I was struggling with um, speech, oddly enough, was not one of the things I struggle with, although I did stutter for a little while. And every now and then you'll hear me repeat a phrase, my brain will click and I'll repeat, but I just have to love it up. I was having vision problems, nausea, and then I ended up with panic, anxiety, PTSD, and uh, adrenaline freak out. Which was super interesting because I teach people about adrenaline. And then neuro neurocognitively, I was testing at 30% intelligence. So for anyone who understands what your brain is capable of, and you know, Jen's, you're working on like the peak performance. Like, how do I get, you know, b- bigger, more expansive, and growth? I was down here fighting for my 30%. And and doctors were not hopeful because they can't tell you. Yeah. You're going to totally heal. No one knew when your doctor hugs you and tells you to keep the faith. Yeah. And, and there's no timeline. You live in that, um, uncomfortable insecurity of uncertainty. There's no guarantee. So learning from that, it, it put me in the present moment. I had a lot less of a filter because I couldn't filter things, which made it awkward and inappropriate sometimes, or really honest sometimes, depending on your, (laughs) your version And being able to come back from that, I think one of the biggest things I had is the whole Princess Bride thing, where it's like, what do you have among your assets, Wesley says, after he's been mostly dead all day. And I had humor, I could still speak, and I had faith beyond measure like i did not know how i was going to get better i did not know and jen i you and i spent time together i was wearing a hat and sunglasses all the time and and if i could have i've been i i think sometimes i was wearing earphones too like everything was too much my brain was on hyper alert not just energetically but even just like lights and sounds and actions and people so coming back from that was a um, Faith, it was a faith walk, never stopping, never stopping to. I mean, yes, I cried and I freaked out, and I'm human, but always putting one foot in front of the other, always going, you know what? I've had a migraine, not weekly, but I've had a migraine for the last seven months. Okay, I'm going to stop not doing something. Like, you know, you would stop. If you felt sick for a day, you would stop doing things, right? You would rest. Well, what if you feel awful all the time? for a long time. And I decided I was going to keep functioning or, or trying to function to the best of my current ability, which was a lot lower, but you got to see me through a lot of that. So it makes this interview even more emotionally impactful because you got to see a lot of that.
0: Yeah. It was truly one of the biggest gifts of my life getting to, I, I don't ever wish discomfort or challenge or the unknown that is not in the most exciting way, right? In the world um, to anyone. And I was blessed to be in your environment, getting to see you semi-regularly. And there was never a moment. So whether it be like, I love getting to hear the story now because it's such a different perspective. And I'm so grateful that you're healthy and healing and continuing to daily Become your new self and your your whole Teresa today. And moments when us as entrepreneurs or moms or women in the world or dads, like any anyone, when we think we're having a crappy, not so fun day, there are so many people experiencing true, real trauma and real heartache of losing other people or going through an experience that just turned your life inside out. So getting to hear it from the perspective of this inner peace that came through for you, this faith in the question, which I love these questions of, have I done what I came here to do? And am I ready to go yet or not? Like maybe we ask ourselves that question every day, right? Because that helps so much of like, oh no, like, wait, whoa, there's there's more to this story, right? And not from a fear based place, from true alignment of, I came here to do something and put your big girl pants on today, whatever. Like, let's keep going. We've got to, we get to roll and make the impact that we can. And from this place of peace, from this place of faith, from this place of trust. And the fact that you also had a doctor who hugged you and said, keep the faith when they had no clue. So I'm super curious if this was at the hospital, I believe that it came from, and I'm not sure what all parts of your story you're able to share and not able to share or want to, but that is super intriguing to me because there are so many people that aren't gifted that and either are tapping into that inner peace that they know, right? That internal, well, that's not going to turn off or someone else, ideally, hopefully, but so much of these stories that I've personally experienced come from this inner place, which I love your inner power, activate the power within, right? Like it is pure truth because it's not going to come from somewhere else. I think Mel Robbins was the first person that I heard, and maybe it came from another quote, but no one's coming for us. And I used to think in those circles that I got to be a part of with you, like, oh, all right, I I got a tribe. And like, maybe if I fall down and skin my knee, someone else will come help me out. Or maybe at this point I can find and learn from this person. Or maybe if I am connected to that person, then I'll get to where I want to be. And at the end of the day and the beginning of the day and throughout the day, it's us. Like, it's just us. So if we don't tap into that inner knowing from inside and that inner power from inside, then we don't have the energy or the vitality or the yes that we need to keep going. So maybe some of those spirits lead the planet. Maybe some of those spirits turn out doing something different for their second chapter or next portion of what their life looks like. But there is not a day that I got to see you in that turmoil and that Like just, it had to have been completely frustrating and not knowing what the next day was going to bring. It actually is one of my favorite parts of the last couple of years is that more and more people, most people on the planet got to experience a form of your like, oh, maybe I don't have control of this world. Maybe I don't have total control of what happens next. Like this dance of having control and not having control, right? And figuring out how to tap into our inner power so that we do choose to take control um, and not wait for something to show up and tell us or teach us how to do other things. While you were going through that chapter and portion of your healing journey, I got to see you show up positive, curious, questioning, pouring light and love into the rest of us while you had your sunglasses on and your hat. And like, we're probably experiencing one of the worst migraines ever and curious about who you were. And that has been something that I've gotten to carry with me almost every day. I have you or a version of your spirit in, in my life, speaking truth into life, which is like, get the heck out of your own way. It's like, let's just keep going as well as so much curiosity around some of the healing and the techniques and the modalities and the things that you got to experience. I'm really curious that the rest of us were aware of things that we can do to train our brain and to support our brain and to support our body in what you got to experience that I think we would really have a different planet.
1: Well, I'd love to give you a couple of the things that I learned that could work for anyone if you're if that's something you're interested in, is that what you want to hear next or what would you like to know?
0: Sounds sounds perfect. Whatever's on your heart.
1: Um well, and I guess the so the journey for me was really long. They put me in concussion protocol which was no lights, no sound, no camera, no action, I'm not supposed to do any interaction or computer work and that was about 18 months to 2 years so that my brain would start calming down. And during that time, um, I was also doing a lot of research because there's not a there wasn't a bunch. I mean, neuroscience is a hot word, but up until a few years before that, they thought the brain you had was the brain you had. So I had to learn how to reprogram my brain. So when a an, a brain gets injured, or when we lose blood, uh, brain cells, any you know if whatever you're doing, um, they don't grow back. Uh necrotic brain tissue sloughs off. So I love the whole idea of like, yeah, I'm healing my brain. Well, actually, you're just rewiring different parts. And so knowing what I knew and having been trained in clarity since I don't know, 2012, I think, um, I knew that the positivity was going to help my new brain, was going to help me reprogram, was going to help the the neural pathways. And it had to be kind of a constant, not a constant watch, but a, a watch of what I was letting in because those negative thoughts produce cortisol, norepinephrine, adrenaline. Um, they they could deplete me. One of the funniest things or funny ironic is when you have a brain injury, the axions are sheared in three specific neurotransmitters first, dopamine, serotonin, and melatonin. So you get a brain injury and all of a sudden, your brain is struggling to produce dopamine, high, happy, um, serotonin, calming, and melatonin, how about we sleep? Like, they're, they're just, your brain is just not doing that. So for anyone who faces depression or anxiety, that can also be like dopamine, uh, like a lowered dopamine or lowered serotonin. And so I got to find ways of moving energy through my body, breathing. I did EMDR. I did it on myself. EFT, tried that. Um, I did ear acupuncture, which didn't really work for me, but it was interesting to have. I tried over 40 different healing modalities to try to get myself. I'm going to use air quotes back, but really I just wanted to get to a certain level, whatever level I was deciding I wanted for myself. So the whole construct was our brain's love the sound of our own voices. And if you've ever been in meetings with people who talk a lot, that makes sense. So I recorded affirmations and reminders in my own voice. You're healing, we're healing. This is such an interesting journey. I'm so curious as to what comes up next. Um, I'm, I'm watching myself uh, face each day with a renewed sense of interest and being able to and I think I still have the recording. Um, listen, I listened to that. I listened to this affirmation in my own voice every day. Um, I meditated a lot. Um, I got very quiet. I listened. I listened to my intuition. I listened to guidance. I, 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 my joke is I went from type a to Zen, um, pretty much out of requirement. Um, I had to reestablish my own sense of value. Um, I stopped being very interested in hustling and grinding. And for any of us, our brains have X number of minutes of energy. So if I asked you, Jen, how long do you think your brain can like be on task? Like how long are you good at focusing? What would you say? It's a great question. Maybe
0: it depends on the situation and that might not be true either, but
1: possibly 15, 20 minutes. That's a good answer. Most people, if you're sitting in front of your computer, you don't leave. You're there trying to do stuff for three or four hours. Most of our brains have like an hour cap, 45 minutes to an hour cap. And then we need to take a little respite. What happens is we push and push and push our brain's ability, um, unless you're you, which is brilliant, like doing 15, 20 minutes or 25 minutes, nailed it but we have to take just that like calm calm and it's funny because in the afternoons or when we feel really exhausted it's really that our brains are tired and all we need is a break a break where we just close our eyes you know we stop all the input maybe we meditate for a freaking minute um when i first started coming back when i was first like it was okay approved to come back i had to do a five minute meditation every 15 minutes of focused attention 15 minutes of focused attention and then five minutes of meditation because I wanted to do things in the world. I wanted to write books. I wanted to show up, but my brain was struggling. So I had to learn how to do these brain breaks and I had a little timer. Uh, Okay. Brain break. All right. But what will most of us will do is in the afternoon when we start getting that energy, it's like pushing a, a boulder uphill, swimming upstream. It doesn't get easier. And a brain break will help normalize this, us, but usually we'll reach for caffeine. A lot of us will go for sugar. Um, our body starts producing, I, I can never get this right, geraldine, greenland. I always call it the gremlin that makes you think you're hungry and you want fat and salt and sugar. Um, but really what you need is, is rest, but we'll reach for all these other things. So brain breaks, uh, talking to yourself, making sure that you're conscious of how you talk to yourself, which also includes outing your inner bully and um like having more peace and ease and less hustle and grind.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's I I really feel like the gift that we get to give ourselves at this chapter in this world and one of my big prayers is that we actually do that that we don't go back to feeling like we need to be doing, 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 doing. Um, If that's you and it lights you up and it fulfills your heart and that's what you're called to do more power to you. And I'm super curious for that type of lifestyle, like more of the curiosity is of, of what is the deeper reasoning that you're doing it? Is it to feel a certain thing? Is it to be acknowledged by certain people? what is fueling you that's coming from potentially the outside that isn't from that internal piece? Because it is, it's uncomfortable to sit with ourselves. It's uncomfortable to be alone and or quiet unless we're a bit more introverted, which that can have a tendency and, and those people can last a little longer and quiet and solitude and that sort of thing. And it's so important for all of us. And I really have gotten to the place where especially if i have a larger more intense hit or surge to my system of something i didn't see coming and now i'm like okay it's problem solving let's wh- where do we begin what's going to happen then the energy dips even more and i can tell that my nervous system is is fried like it's tired it's done and How do we put these breaks in and remind ourselves, right? I have notifications that come up on my phone. I absolutely love that you have this practice of recording your own affirmations. I highly recommend that for clients. And I think that it's so powerful when we get to hear it from ourselves. There's nothing like becoming comfortable with your own voice for one and getting to hear that message from us. And really believing it. And then like that shift of when we just hear it to actually believing and embodying and creating that for ourselves.
1: Yeah, I remember the one thing I, I needed to hear was that I was going to be okay. Cause doubt, my dance with doubt is probably one of the biggest saboteurs that will show up for my. And I just sometimes just needed to hear that it was all going to be okay. Cause I didn't know how, and I had to be the one to tell me, tell myself that. Yes. Or I would call a friend and go, I just need you to tell me it's going to be okay. Like I was very clear what I needed. Tell me it's all going to work out. It's all going to be okay. And I'd have to say that in my own voice. It's all, you're okay. It's okay. And I
0: really think that that's another powerful tool, which is reaching out to people and asking them for exactly what we need to hear, especially during certain moments, whether it be a certain cycle that we're going through in our life, a certain chapter, a certain aspect of what's happening to hear that message and to have someone truly say that and not dive into story, not dive into all the other bits and pieces and parts that are coming.
1: They're going to advise us, right? There's that. (laughs) Right.
0: Not asking for that. Asking for you to tell me that everything is going to be okay. (laughs)
1: That's all I need right now. I just, it's funny because when I'm dating, I'm like, okay, tell me I'm important to you and I'm pretty. (laughs) And I'm very clear when I I know I need to hear those things. I'm not feeling those things. So I need to hear those things right now. Right now would be good. I
0: love it. I love it. I love it. What are your love languages? Do you know?
1: Um, God, I, 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 it used to be words of affirmation, but then I realized people could lie. <laughs> <laughs> right? So here you are, like, like all the words matter, right? Exactly what you're telling me is super important. And then none of it's real. And I'm like, okay, wait, I don't actually love that. So I am kind of like in actions. And it might be acts of service or some version of actions. But yeah, it always used to be love uh, words. And then I was like, oh, hell no, people lie. (laughs) But also, like I'm saying, I need to hear I'm going to be okay. So I think words of affirmation is still important. But service. They have to match. There's got to be a congruency there. What, what's your love language?
0: That's so fun. Mine are uh, touching quality time. I'm not sure which is first exactly, but those are definitely my top two for sure. It's so fun. And it's a trip as well, asking my husband for touch more than anything because he is it's not his top love language he loves to receive touch and he's not much <laughs> of a touch giver which is a whole curiosity that I have so if anyone out there wants to have further conversations about love languages i'm super curious right now about the difference between gift givers and gift receivers because i think in the book it's gift receivers and how I see it play out in the world is that they're gift givers. And I'm really curious that if they're gift giving, are they also desiring to receive like they give?
1: No, yeah. that's what I find really interesting too, is that they don't talk about love languages, how they can shift depending on the people that you're with. So, and if that, or like me, words of affirmation was probably my top one. And then I was like, oh, hell no, it, it, you know, If that can be used against me, I don't want that one. Um, I like words, but it's not my top. And the other piece is that how we give and how we receive are not all the same. Like a gift giver might love um, the thought process and everything that goes into thinking about a gift for another person, but really what they want back are words that the gift was loved and they are seen and heard. So I don't, I, I mean, I like love languages, but I, I think there are some nuances.
0: Oh, for sure. I love it. Oh, it's so good. All right. So you have journeyed through some rough seas, some rough waters, and you're doing really amazing work in the world. So beautiful to see this version of Teresa. So, what are you up to? What are you doing? How can people find you? How can
1: people work with you? The best place to find me is my website. It's Teresa It's T-H-E-R-E-S-A-N-B-Y-R-N-E. I Um, I like to say that I'm like Mother Teresa, but with a bad attitude and a black belt. Um, I don't know if I actually have a bad attitude, but it's uh the easiest way to get me is through my website. Um, You can often catch me doing keynote speeches, sometimes in a hoodie, (laughs) if I uh, totally messed up the timing, Um, or uh, check out anything on my website. I also offer some free tools. If you're interested in learning more about the sabotaging patterns or the sabotaging characters that might show up for you, um, offer a program and how to out those and how to work with it so that you can live that life of uh, clarity, but um, also that, that life of the, the essence and the light that you came here to be because everything else that's just getting in our way.
0: One last piece that I think is so neat. And you'll see it as you hop over to any of Teresa's social media channels or that is you were in martial arts before super successful, had a moment in time doing quite a bit of different things as well as internal work. And, you recently just achieved something else that you weren't sure was totally possible. So can you share a little bit about that for those who are ready and determined and ready for their next the next thing they want to accomplish?
1: So doctors told me I may never train again or teach, which was weird because that was my career, right? I'd built this large center and uh, had to kind of give it up. I didn't know if I'd ever be able to teach again or test. Uh, I couldn't bend. uh, And it wasn't. It's funny because I hear as people get older, they're like, oh, no, you know, my balance is off. My flexibility is off. No, it's your brain. Like I went from being uh, having, you know, like the activity in the body of someone who was in their 30s to someone in their 80s overnight just because my brain got injured. So. Um, I wasn't able to tie out shoes because I couldn't bend that far and this is someone who used to do the splits. Well, I never thought I would do this again, but I just tested for another black belt in April in October. and it's a Japanese fighting style, also something I never thought I would do. So I got a first degree in a Japanese fighting style and now I am currently knock on wood training for my fifth degree, but that was not something that was going to be possible. Didn't know if I could ever do it again physically, emotionally, physiologically, but I'm gonna do it. I'll put one foot in front of the other.
0: Yeah. It's oh, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time, for sharing all of these stories and bits and pieces of of who you are and how you've shown up and the the new impact from a place of peace and love that you're making in the world. Really, really, really appreciate it.
1: I love how you see me. Thank you. And thanks for the work that you're doing in the world, Jen. You are one of the biggest and most truest hearts I've ever met.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We will see you again next week and uh, have a phenomenal rest of your day. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of manifesting clarity. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. This helps others to find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next
1: episode.